Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants with your host, Raphael Bender. Okay, today is really a how-to, and this is for you if you're a studio owner or uh, if you want to be a studio owner one day, or it's if you're a studio manager or maybe the lead instructor at a studio and uh, you have responsibility for hiring and leading instructors. And uh, this came from a question I received on social media about how to find those people, how to attract the right people, how to um, hire them, make them an offer that they, they'll accept, and how then how to lead them and mentor them as a, as a team. So uh, these this is really my, uh, it's, it's really a how-to guide. This is how I do it. Uh, with with my team, um, and this is this is how I uh, see the best, most successful business owners I know in the Pilates world um, hiring and leading their team. So, the first thing is, so well, actually, I've got uh, what have I got here? I've got a seven step process which I'm going to share with you, and uh, this is really soup to nuts. This is from like you know all the way from the very beginning uh, of not even um, you know, really thinking about why is your business there, all the way through to um, you know leading and promoting those people over time. So I think the very first thing is to write a business mission statement. So if you, if you don't already have a mission statement, uh, in my view, a mission statement should be, you know, some people call it a vision statement, some people call it a mission statement, it doesn't really matter what you call it, but it is a aspirational North Star statement about what your business does. So uh, our one at Breathe Education is we help Pilates instructors become better, happier, and more financially successful. So that's that's what we do. And everything we do has to contribute to that mission. Uh, my friend Nathan Ross-Reese and uh, Laura Saggers uh, they are opening a new business called Rise Reformer, and I believe their mission is we build strength and confidence. And I think that's an awesome mission, and that really, uh, really sets a really clear expectation and understanding for the whole team about what we do here, and you know why are we running this class, and why are we using this cue, and why are we programming this exercise? It's all about building strength and confidence. So I think start by creating a mission statement or refining your present mission statement so that it is super clear and you can use that then as the basis for everything else that you you know will build you know uh, through this recruitment process. So the mission statement really is the north star of the of the business. It's it's an aspirational statement by which I mean it's not something that you ever necessarily achieve. So for us you know, we help Pilates instructors become better, happier, and more financially successful. Well, like until such time as every Pilates instructor in the world is completely blissful, uh, you know, a multimillionaire <laughs> and, uh, you know, has world-class skills, we're not done. So in other words, like we're never going to be done. So it's not, it's not a goal that you would attain. It's a, it's a North star that you work towards, but never, you never get there. So, yeah, uh, and this is not something you just kind of scribble down in half a second. This is something you really have to reflect on. 
If you have business partners, you know, you'll need to incorporate them. Uh, I suggest if you have staff in your business already and you don't have a mission statement or you want to review your mission statement, that you don't uh, involve the staff at the very genesis of that process, rather that you as the business owner come to the staff with an 80% complete mission statement and say, hey, gang, I've, you know, I've come up with this. What is a bit rough? What do you think? And then get their input on a mostly finished, but maybe needs a bit of polishing mission statement, uh, rather than just asking blank slate, you know, what should our mission statement be? Because, you know, those people, much as you may love them, respect them, want them, and, you know, all of that, they will come and go. You know, life situations change, they'll have a baby, they'll move into state, you know, stuff will change. And they'll be gone from the business at some point, and you will still be there. And so the mission statement must resonate to your bones with you as the owner of the business. So it has to come from you and then you take it to the staff and they can contribute things that you might not have thought of. They can polish it in ways that you might uh, you know, not be able to. So I think it's very valuable to include the staff in this process, but I think it, it needs to come from you as the business owner uh, initially. All right, so write a mission statement and your mission statement doesn't have to be unique right? This isn't an advertising slogan. Like we help, you know, players instructors become better, happier, more financially successful. It's like, that's not on all of our marketing material, right? It's not kind of a unique selling point. It's, it's just our mission is why we're here. And same with, with Rise Reformer. And now if I've, I hope I've got their <laughs> mission correct, but I think this is a darn good mission anyway, regardless of whether I'm correct or not. We build strength and confidence. I think that's a darn good mission, uh, but you know, it doesn't doesn't have to be different to everybody else. I guess is my point. It's like, well, that could be you know a personal training gym, or it could be you know a powerlifting club, or it could be any reformer business. So this isn't a unique selling point. It's not like we're the biggest studio in the northwest of Toronto or whatever. It's it is a mission, okay? And you know, different businesses can have the same mission but you'll just go about it in your unique way to achieve that mission. So this is not an advertising slogan. It's not a point of difference. Uh, it's not a goal. It's a mission statement. It's an aspirational vision that you you use as your North Star, uh, but it's not something you attain. It's not something you necessarily use in your marketing. Um, it's just like your why. Why do we get up in the morning and go to work? Because we want to help people get what? All right, so write a mission statement. From your mission statement, you will then, you know, build your business from there around, you know, well, if your mission is to build strength and confidence, if you're a rise reformer, for example, well, that's going to determine which kind of, you know, equipment you have in your studio. And, you know, do you think they'll just have like the little one pound dumbbells or do you think they'll have the big dumbbells next to their reformers? Um you know, do you think they'll get reformers with, a, you know, two full springs, two half springs and a quarter spring and an eighth spring? Or will they get the reformers with the heavy springs on them? I, You know, I think you can start to make decisions about your, you know, about how you build your business based off of that mission statement. Uh, you know, um, how, what sort of classes will we have on, you know, uh, what sort of programming will we do in our classes, etc.? 
So once you have that basis, you then set the KPIs, key performance indicators for the role. So that's step one, build a, write a mission statement. Step two, we set the KPIs for the instructor role. What does good look like? How do you and they know if they're winning, right? So if I come and work in your studio and I'm, in, I'm teaching classes or one-on-one clients or whatever you're paying me to do, like, how do I know if I did a good job? And that shouldn't be something like, you know, really nebulous, which means kind of vague and unclear. Shouldn't be something really nebulous like, oh, if the clients are happy or, uh, you know, if you're teaching well or something, there should be some very objective metric that we, you know, something numerical that we can measure. So the things that I love and uh, they're tried and true are class attendance, so capacity utilization. So just say I've got 10, you know, mats or 10 reformers or whatever in my class. Well, what percentage of those on average over the month had butts on them, you know, and if the average, if the percentage is, you know, 75 to 80%, I'd say that's, that's a good, I'm doing a good job because, you know, I can't expect much more than 80%, uh, you know, on a regular basis in my experience. So even if I'm waitlisted every day, what we're after is like how many actual, you know, living humans were in the room when I taught the session. That's what we're interested in. Not how many booked into it and subsequently cancelled or whatever. How many paid clients were in the room during the session? So that is what we'd, I would measure. And I would KPI that at about, you know, 75, 80%, somewhere in that range. Uh, and KPI, what I mean by that is that's what you need to hit to keep your job. Like, you know, I'm paying you this great big pile of money as the business owner, and in exchange, I get a 75% full on average, you know, class. So that's that's the value exchange that takes place. Uh, and so that's what I would recommend is somewhere in the vicinity of 75, 80%. Now, that's going to vary, um, you know, depending on which part of the week you're teaching, like if you're teaching like 8pm Friday night, it's going to be really tough to fill a class. So you might have to vary that a little bit depending on, you know, where it is in the week. Uh, But, you know, that would be my kind of main, you know, benchmark there. And I would give somebody, you know, a month or two to ramp up. So I wouldn't expect them, you know, day one, week one, or even month one to hit that KPI because they have to get into their groove, the clients have to get to know them, etc. Um, I would give somebody, you know, maybe like a, a 60 or 90 day ramp up. Uh, you know, I would lean towards a 60 day ramp up uh, or a 90 day ramp up if you choose somebody less experienced to begin with. Uh, you know, if, if it's a 60 day ramp up, I would expect, expect like, you know, month one, you would hit, you know, 50% of your KPI and my, by the end of month two, you would be, you know, at KPI. Uh, and when I say at KPI, I mean at 75 or 80%, whatever you choose, uh, averaged class attendance of paid customers over that month. And when I say 50% of KPI, I just mean like, we'll just say your KPI is 75%, well, 50% of that, 37.5%, right? So that is your KPI. Um, that would be your ramp up. Uh, and so set that KPI, right? What is the minimum performance expectation for working here? Now, maybe you're thinking like, well, I can't hold my instructors accountable for having that attendance. It's like, well, I think you can. I think like, what else the heck are you paying them for? If you, if you, if you're not holding them responsible for 
putting bums on reformers. It's like, well, what's their job? And if you think, well, if their job's to teach a great class, it's like, okay, well, just say I go in there and I teach a great class to one person every week for the next year and you're paying me a hundred bucks to do that. It's like, well, are you happy? (laughs) I taught an awesome class. That person is ecstatic. They're really, really happy. (laughs) They paid you $25 to do the class and you paid me a hundred dollars or $60 or whatever, right? You paid me and you didn't, you made a loss on that. Like you're not happy, right? You're not, you might be like, oh, great, Raph, you taught a great class. No one freaking showed up for it. <laughs> so, but now imagine different scenario. I teach that same awesome class and I then I get that client and I say, hey, client, there's only one of you, you know, who else do you know who do you think would benefit from this class? And they bring along two friends and then I do the same thing and their two friends bring along two friends and I put shout outs on social media and I, pretty soon I've got 10 people in that room every week and there's four on the wait list and you've got people saying, hey, you know, can Raf teach extra classes? Cause I really want to do his Thursday class, but I can't get in. Can you put an extra one on before that? It's like, now you're happy. <laughs> now you're happy. Right? So if that's, what's going to make you happy as a business owner, well, that has to be what you require, right? If you tell me my job is to teach a good class and I don't think it's my job to fill that class, it's like, guess what? I'm not going to fill the freaking class. <laughs> Because you never told me that's what you wanted, right? I'm just going to go in there, teach my little heart out, you know, be a great teacher to the one person in the room (laughs) and you're not happy. So if you want full classes, now, if you want full classes, you've got to make that a KPI for someone in the business. Whose job is it to fill the class? Well, I think it's the instructor's job. Now, does the studio bear some responsibility? Yes. I think the studio should have decent signage. You know, maybe some social media posts wouldn't hurt. Um, you know, even paid advertising. Okay, but I but ultimately, even if you spend a thousand dollars a week on Google ads and bring 20 new people to the studio every week, if they hate the class and don't stick around, <laughs> you're not happy. So ultimately it is up to the instructor. That, that to have that class full. And that's not just the same thing as teaching a great class because there's also those little human touches which have loom large, like, you know, saying hi to the clients beforehand, starting conversations, you know, engaging with people during the class in a meaningful way. Tell, hey, saying to them at the end of class, hey, Mary, I reckon you should bump up to twice a week because I reckon you'd skyrocket your flexibility by doing that right? Or Mary, why don't you come to the intermediate open level class on a Wednesday? Cause I think you'd love it, right? Hey Mary, you know, you've been coming so regularly. I reckon you should, you know, switch over to a membership instead of a 10 pack. It'd save you money, right? Those little conversations, that's where, you know, if you ever witness your instructors having those conversations with clients, uh, you, that's where you go, you almost tear up and you think, oh, I love this. I love this person. <laughs> So my advice, uh, dear listener, if you're a studio owner, if you're a studio manager, if you lead a team of Pilates instructors, if you're in a position to hire Pilates instructors is please make bums on mats, bums on reformers, a KPI for your instructors. Now, if you think that uh, instructors will be turned off by this, well, guess who's going to be turned off by it? People who don't think it's their job to put bums on Pilates mats. Well, who do you want working in your studio? 
someone who, who doesn't think it's their job to put bums on mats. No, you want someone who's going to be posting all over social media, texting the clients and saying, hey, make sure you show up tomorrow. Like you want someone who thinks it is their job <laughs> to put bums on Pilates mats or reformers, right? So set that KPI, be totally transparent about it and say, hey, I'm hiring you here to fill this darn room, right? So number one, class attendance. Number two, I would put some measure of class of customer satisfaction. So I would uh, survey your cut your clients once a month is what I recommend. Uh, and if you want to know how to survey your clients, uh, go back a couple of episodes, like two or three episodes before this one, and listen to the episode on how to obtain compelling testimonials from your clients. And I talk about exactly how to survey your clients uh, in that episode. So I recommend you have two KPIs. One is class attendance, 75% or higher. And the second one is customer satisfaction, you know, like, and I would say something like, you know, 80% of customers give a five out of five rating or something like that, right? Something, something around that 80%, 75, 80, 85% mark of people give a five out of five rating each month. Uh, And if you're, uh, yeah, and so that's, and then I would have a little third KPI that would just be like, and you do your admin, you know, like you tick off the clients when they come into the class or whatever, tidy up the props at the end, etc. So I'll take the KPIs. I would have three KPIs. One would be class attendance, one would be customer satisfaction, and one would be admin. And that would not be weighted equally. Class attendance is number one by a mile. I would say that is like 60% of what I care about. Customer satisfaction is 30% of what I, te- I care about in terms of the KPI because because if the customers keep coming back and the class is full, that tells me that the customers are satisfied, right? So they vote with their feet and their wallets and their bums on the mats, okay? That tells me they're satisfied. So the 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 formal measure of customer satisfaction of the survey, it to me is less important, although still important, but the ultimately if they're voting with their wallets and their bums and, and, and spending their time, you know, in this class, that tells me that they like it. So class attendance is number one. I would put 60% weighting on that, 30% weighting on customer satisfaction, 10% on admin. All right. So now you've got these KPIs, build a scorecard. And, you know, back in the day, we might've called this a position description. These days we call it a scorecard at Breathe. Build your scorecard around the KPIs. And I would put in bonuses for those KPIs. And the scorecard is like, okay, here's how you know you're winning. Here's how you know the score right? When you come to work, here's how you know if you're winning. You're winning if you hit these KPIs. And I would say, uh, you know, put in some kind of financial remuneration that recognizes hitting those KPIs. Like, okay, so the base pay is this much. And then you get, you know, let's say on the order of a 10% bonus uh, when you hit this KPI. You know, so let's say you've got the, you know, three bonuses, class attendance, customer satisfaction, admin, right? This is where the the weighting comes in, right? So just say you get, just say you hit your class attendance, you might make an extra, you know, 10% of what your base pay was. If you hit that customer satisfaction KPI, you might make an extra 4%. And if you hit the admin, you might make an extra 2%, right? So total, you get an extra 16% if you hit all your KPIs, right? But the main one is the class attendance. That's worth more than the other two put together, right? So that helps... Like what you reward is what people will do. So yeah, be super clear about this is what I'm paying you for. 
this is what the be this is the behavior I need. This is the outcome I need. All right. So create a scorecard around that, uh, and then put in some of the duties. Right here are the outcomes. Right, class attendance, customer satisfaction, admin done. What does admin done mean? Like props cleaned up at the end of the lesson, the reformers wiped down, the clients ticked off as they walk in. The, you know, whatever the things are that you need them to do. Right, and then make a list of the things of the behaviours you know that contribute to you know, having high class attendance, right? So you already teach classes, right? What do you do that you want this person to also do? You know, remember the client's names, welcome them before class, always be 10 minutes early. You know, what are the things that you think are the behaviors that contribute to high class attendance and high customer satisfaction, right? Taking feedback well, (laughs) asking the clients, how could this be even better? Like all of that stuff, Put that in the scorecard. Whatever you think is important, like for that person to be you know, successful in that role, right? So then uh, you've got your scorecard. The scorecard is number three, right? So number one was mission statement. Number two is set the KPIs. Number three is create a scorecard, which really just says here's your KPIs, right? Here's the base pay. Here's the bonus pay for each KPI. We'll evaluate it monthly. Here's how we will measure that. We'll measure class attendance by average attendance report in Mind Body Online on the first of each month for the 30 days preceding. Right? Be very precise about how you're measuring it because exactly how you measure it is how they will perform to it. And then here are the, you know, here are the bullet point list of behaviors that we expect to see that will contribute to you hitting these KPIs. Be 10 minutes early, wear deodorant, smile, remember the customers' names, you know, whatever the things are, right? Now Now create a list, so number four, now create a list of critical skills and qualities of your ideal instructor who will hit those KPIs, right? So imagine the person who will walk in and go, yeah, I'm going to nail this, right? The person who looks at that scorecard and goes, yes, this is the job I've been looking for. I love this, okay? Create a list of the critical skills and qualities, your ideal instructor who will hit those KPIs. What, What skills will they have? Okay, they'll be good at teaching, right? (laughs) But not just like good at teaching, right? Don't say, and dear listener, this is where I'm going to say, don't say stuff like, quote, fully certified, right? If you, if you, if they're going to be doing, spending 90%, if you're paying them to fill your reformer class, right? Or your mat work class or whatever, right? What the heck does it matter if they're fully certified? Who cares? What you want is somebody who's highly skilled at teaching a group of 10 people mat work or reformer, right? That's what you want, right? So say that, right? Say, you know, somebody who's highly skilled in teaching athletic flow style mat work or somebody who's highly skilled in teaching original original controlology style mat work, somebody who's highly skilled in teaching classical reformer, right? Somebody who's highly skilled in, in teaching, you know, athletic flow reformer, whatever it is, right? Like be like be specific to your business. Don't say something vague like fully certified or whatever. That doesn't that doesn't guarantee anything. Right? I mean you know as well as I do, you could line up a dozen fully certified instructors and you know, they'll be of widely varying fit for your business, right? So that's not a useful criterion in my mind. I would just say, you know, highly skilled at doing this particular thing that we do here, 
right? That would be one on your wish list. Now, you can't necessarily guarantee you'll get that, but let's just shoot for let's shoot for the stars because if we, you know, if we miss, we'll land on the moon or something. Anyway, I'm not sure how the, med- how the <laughs> saying goes, but you get what I mean, I hope. All right, so what are the skills, right? So skills. Now, highly skilled at teaching, you know, athletic flow reformer is a skill. It's trainable, right? So if they're not highly skilled, it's not out of the question that you could train them to become highly skilled, right? So div- divide these, you know, what are the skills and, and, and attitudes and beliefs of this person that's going to excel in this role, right? So divide them into skills. Right, now, there are going to be some other things that are going to be less trainable, even though they're probably skill. I guess they're skills, right? But they're going to be less trainable, like people skills, right? Must be really good with people, right? Because guess what? Your customers are people, <laughs> and they're going to like this person, this instructor, significantly based on that person's people skills. So you want somebody who's a people person, someone who loves talking with people, someone who, you know, is really, uh, you know, warm and engaging and cares about people. Someone's going to remember names, all of that stuff, right? So someone with great people skills, someone gregarious who who loves engaging with people. Um, uh, All right, so make this list. And then the beliefs and attitudes, Right now, I think these need to be separated off the side because, in my view, these are you know maybe they are trainable over a long period of time, but yeah, you know, I think that for practical purposes, when you hire a team member, these are basically not trainable because by the time you can train them, it's it's too late, <laughs> right? I need somebody who's going to walk in with a great attitude on day one, not have a terrible attitude, and then after three years of grind, finally they've got a decent attitude. <laughs> So I think, you know, whether or not it's trainable, I think let's, we should uh, behave as if attitude and beliefs are not trainable because you just want to get one that just works off the shelf, right? So um, I would say, you know, there are certain beliefs that I I would say you have to have, you want to have regardless of what style of Pilates you teach, what sort of business you have, things like, you know, welcomes feedback, you know, eagerly seeks out feedback, <laughs> you know, wants to improve, um, you know, uh, organized on time, you know, those sorts of, you know, believes in neatness, right? These are, I think, you know, yes, you can train those things, but it's like, well, why not just get someone who already has that, right? Make your life easier. Don't buy a fixer-upper. So, you know, put those, I think those, you know, things, and that's not an exhaustive list, but I think you can make that list. You know, those are be a few of my top five. The feedback was really number one. Okay. And then there are the specific attitudes and beliefs around how you do business, right? So if you are Rise Reformer and your mission statement is we build strength and confidence, well, guess what? You want someone who believes that strength is prime in what we do, right? You don't want someone who believes that everything should be done on a light spring and we should never break a sweat. And everything should be perfect and graceful, right? That's not what you you do at Rise Reformer, right? You want someone who believes in building strength and it's all about building strength, right? So now if you, if you, you know, teach a classical class, right? And you, if for you, it is all about the grace and the fluidity and the flow and the concentration, all of that stuff. We well, want someone who believes in that, right? So, and again, you can possibly, you know, 
train somebody or convert somebody to believe that, but why not just find someone who already believes it, <laughs> right? Much easier. So, you know, what are the beliefs? What are the values? What are the attitudes of this person? And I would just make your wish list, right? Don't worry about like, oh, I'll never find someone like this. Just at least make your list, right? This is a wish list. I'm not saying we're going to get everyone, every one of these ticked off, but if you, if you, compromise before you even start writing your list, you'll definitely not get them ticked off. So create that list of skills and qualities and put them on the scorecard. So I'm looking for somebody who has these skills and these beliefs, right? And specify on the scorecard which ones are deal breakers and which ones are nice to haves, right? You know, must take feed, must you know, eagerly seek feedback and respond positively to feedback, right? Must. Whereas, you know, would be nice if you have significant experience teaching large group mat work, right? So distinguish between those things because because you can train this person to teach large group mat work the way you teach it, right? That's a that's a skill thing. You can probably train someone to do that in a few weeks. I mean, assuming they already know how to teach Pilates, right? You can teach them to teach Pilates the way you want it done in a short time if they love getting feedback, you know, and if they you know, have all those same beliefs and assumptions about the world that you do. All right, so create that list, put it on the scorecard. That's number four. So number one, we had write your mission statement. Number two, set the KPIs. And I suggest class attendance, customer satisfaction and admin. Three, create a position scorecard, build around those KPIs with bonuses, uh, financial bonuses, probably on a monthly or at most quarterly basis based around those KPIs and weighted according to how important each of those is. Uh, for your business, uh, create a list of, number four, create a list of critical skills and qualities, your ideal instructor who will hit those KPIs, separate them into must-haves and uh, nice-to-haves. Uh, also, you know, put them into like skills and attitudes, um, because I think, again, those attitudes are, you know, in general, you know, for our purposes, not trainable. So I would pretty much put all of those in the must-have, you know, the attitudes in the must-have and the skills in the like nice-to-have. Uh, and number five, let's now think about that prospective staff member, you know, that um, theoretical prospective staff member, like a prospective client. Like, why would they want to work for you, right? So now we know why you want them to work for you, right? Because they've got all these skills and they're going to, and attitudes and they're going to fill your classes. Okay, great. Now we know why you want them to work for you. Why do they want to work for you? What's important to them, right? Now, obviously, some you know, financial, some, you know, level of financial reward is going to be important. Like, you know, most people aren't going to work for free. Most people aren't going to work for $10 an hour. Okay. And as you raise the the price, you know, per hour or per week or whatever, you know, more and more, you'll, you'll have access to more and more people, right? So you don't have to pay the absolute top of market, but just think, okay, well, if I get this awesome person, they fill my classes, you know, at 80% capacity or 75% capacity on average, you know, month over month, well, how much money do I make from that class? You know, you've got to set a pay level that leaves you a profit margin. I'm not going to go into how to do that here because that's a subject for a whole different uh, you know, conversation. But, you know, you need to find a way to have a business model where you're charging enough and you have enough, you know, bums on mats, or enough, enough mats to put bums on, more to the point, where if that person does their job, if those mats are 75 or 80% full on average, right, you can pay them a good wage where they go, oh, this is awesome pay, and there's money left over for you to have a profit, 
right? So uh, that's and that's down to your business model, and I'm not going to talk about that here. But you know, this is that's an assumption here is that you've got a decent business model. And actually, there's an episode I can't remember which one it was around about a hundred ish, you know, episode one hundred ish, with uh, my CFO and accountant Joshua Richardson called "How to Earn Two Hundred Fifty Thousand Dollars a Year Profit in a Pilates Studio," something like that. Go listen to that episode. That'll tell you exactly how to set your pricing and how many mats or reformers to have in the room and all of that stuff so that you can pay your instructors really well and still make a ton of profit. All right. So think about that person, that prospective instructor, like a prospective client. What are you going to do to attract them? Okay. So they want decent pay, number one. Now, the best instructors won't always only work for the best pay, but they'll want good pay, right? You're not going to get a great instructor with below average pay, right? Because they can just go elsewhere and get above average pay. So they're not going to work for you for below average pay. You have to pay above average if you want a top tier instructor. And so you don't have to pay like exorbitant, but you have to pay, you know, more than they could get, you know, at the Pilates studio around the corner, right? Because otherwise, why would they work for you? Uh, And you also need to offer lots of non-financial benefits, right? And I would say, you know, think about that person, right? The, your ideal dream instructor, right? They love feedback. They want to get better. They're driven to fill their classes. They believe all the same things that you believe about teaching Pilates, okay? What do they want? They want training and mentoring. They want training and mentoring. They want progression within the company. They want opportunities for advancement and promotion and developing other skills. Uh, they probably uh you know, want to be around like-minded people, right? Uh, They would like a regular schedule that fits with their, you know, family slash study, whatever commitments that they have. Uh, And they probably want some kind of benefits, you know, whether that's medical or, or, you know, leave, you know, paid leave over Christmas, et cetera. So put together a package that is going to, you know, that that is going to be, highly attractive to your ideal candidate, right? Highly attractive. So I'm going to say, you know, above average pay doesn't have to be to the moon, but it has to be like you know, more than they could get on the first 10 ads they look at in on in, indeed.com. And then add in these, you know, regular training and mentoring. So I'm going to say like, you know, a weekly half hour, one-on-one, without fail, that's sacred time where you work with them, okay, and you, you know, audit their class weekly at least. And when I say audit, I mean like sit and watch or actually do their class once a week at least. Give them feedback on their class in that one-on-one. Ask them what's, you know, what they want help with, how they want to grow. Like, you know, audit their class numbers, look at their class numbers together each week and go, okay, how are we doing with that? What do we need to do to improve? Are we are we on track to hit KPI? Right, that's what happens in the one on one. Okay, and this goes in the this goes in the scorecard. Right, this is the this goes in the job ad. This is like a benefit. Right, this is a benefit. Now, for some people, it might not be a benefit, but guess what? Those aren't the people you want. You want people who are like, oh, great, I get one on one mentoring every week. That's awesome. Right, that's the person you want. Uh, progression and opportunities. Okay, what are the opportunities for progression? Now, if you're in a very small business, there might be very minimal. You know, like you just say you're only employing two instructors. Well, 
there's no opportunity for one of them to become like head instructor because <laughs> that's ridiculous in a company with only two employees, right? But you might be able to offer them the opportunity to learn, you know, marketing or, you know, whatever, like other skills within the business, right? How can they, if they want to, right? Not mandatory, right? If they just want to teach Pilates, that's awesome. That's even better, right? Or maybe, you know, you will train them up on the apparatus. They're not trained on the apparatus yet, right? Or, you know, what you'll bring in outside people to teach them extra cool things, right? Anatomy, extra moves on the reformer, whatever it might be, right? So, you know, what training progression opportunities can you provide them? And then how can you be flexible to a degree because you need certain classes covered, right? But instead of giving them like, you know, a 6 a.m. shift and then eight hours off and then, a you know, 4 p.m. shift and then a 10 p.m. shift or whatever, like how can you, you know, make their schedule as condensed and accommodating as possible to their needs whilst still servicing the needs of the studio, right? And so this person will be your superstar and you'll give them the prime uh, shifts that they want. And then you might have one or two other kind of casual people who fit in around the corners and they get the crappy, you know, Friday 7 p.m. shifts or whenever this superstar doesn't want to work, right? Because you accommodate your superstar more because they're the goose that lays the golden eggs. All right, so that is number five. Think about that person like they're a prospective client. What can you offer them? What's important to them? You know, good pay doesn't have to be stellar pay, but, you know, it has to be solid with incentives for performance. Now, you want someone who wants to be incentivized for performance. Now, some people don't want that, but guess what? That's not the person you want, right? In my view, you want somebody who's like, oh, great, you mean I make an extra 50 bucks if I fill my classes? consider the challenge accepted, right? Um, all right, so that is number five. Number six is then we're up to the application process. So I would create a video. So you've got your, you've got your scorecard, right? Uh, and now I would create a little video uh, of you, you know, just a, on your phone video and saying, hey, you know, here's my name at XYZ Studio. We're looking for a new instructor. Is this you? right? We're looking for someone who, and then just, you know, list the KPIs and the skills and attributes. Not so, we don't say like, oh, we're looking for someone who wants to have a 75%, you know, attendance rate. Just say, we're looking for someone who loves to fill their classes, to have delighted clients, someone who takes feedback, someone who, you know, has experience teaching group mat work, someone like, just say the things, right? And the right person's going to go, oh, that's me. And the wrong people are going to go, oh no, that sounds crap. I don't want to. I don't want to apply for that. Right. So this is a much. This is as much about filtering out the wrong people. When I say wrong people, I don't mean there's anything wrong with those people. I just mean they're the wrong fit. Right. It's not a good fit if if they have different beliefs or if they don't like taking feedback or if they don't like teaching group mat work or whatever. It's like, well, that's not a good fit. That's the wrong fit. So you want to filter out the wrong people and filter in the right people so that you don't have to waste hours and days and weeks doing dozens of, you know, screening calls and interviews and stuff with people who are just not a good fit, right? So you want your video ad to say, hey, here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're not looking for. This is going to fit you if you're this. It's not going to fit you if you're that, right? It's not saying you're bad if it's not a fit. It's just saying, hey, we're looking for someone who, bullet, 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 and we're not looking for someone who doesn't like taking feedback, isn't after constant improvement, doesn't want to be mentored on a regular basis, doesn't want to have their classes audited, right? Doesn't want above average pay for above average performance, 
right? So just be upfront, <laughs> say it. Um, that is, all right, so you create that. And then I would have a three-stage application process. And the goal here is to filter out the people who are a bad fit. So you only talk to an audition people who are already probably going to be a good fit, right? So you're not wasting your time or their time talking to and auditioning the wrong people. All right, so I would I recommend this three-stage application process, which is step six of my seven-step uh, how to hire and lead superstars process. Step six, which is create a three-stage application process to filter for skills and attitudes. Number one, ask them to do a video submission. Yes, they just do a cell phone selfie video answering three questions. One, why do you want to work for us in particular? Two, give an example of when you have, and then insert one of your values, right? Give an example of when you have taken on board constructive feedback and grown from it. Right, so what some one of your must-haves, like what is your top of list must-have? Give an example of when you did this. And number three, what do you think is most important in teaching a session to, you know, a group of arthritic oldies with, uh, you know, whatever, right? So what, whoever your most common client avatar is, right? What do you think is most important in teaching a athletic flow reformer session? What do you think is most important in teaching a group mat work session to elderly? osteoporotic women. What do you think is most important in teaching the original contrology sequence? What do you think is most important in teaching a classical, you know, reformer class, whatever, right? So just something that is a skill-based, or not really skill per se, but something that that talks about their interest and passion and to a certain their skill and understanding of what you do. So three questions. Why do you want to work for us in particular? Give an example of when you've taken on, you know, done this value, right? I've used feedback, but you could put in whatever you think is most important. And number three, what do you think is most important in teaching a session to insert your most common client avatar? Now, now I, I suggest you require that everybody submit a video and that the video be no more than five minutes. If you must say, I think it's really important that you say no more than five minutes, otherwise you'll get like 45 minute videos. Um, yeah, so, and also it's hard for the person to know, right? If they don't know, like, well, how long do I want me to make the video? Uh, so tell them, no more than five minutes. Answer these three, ple- three, que- three questions, please. Now, I think it's important to say, look, hey, I'm not going to judge you on your video technique, right? But I want to look you in the eye while you give these answers. And I just want to know what's on your mind, what's in your heart when it comes to these questions, right? So that's why I'm asking you to make a video. And it's going to be outside the comfort zone of a lot of people, right? And that's why you do it. Because if someone's not willing to go outside their comfort zone to apply for this job, they're not going to go outside their comfort zone once they're in the job. Like the the most obliging they're ever going to be is when they're trying to get the job off you, right? So if they're not willing to go outside their comfort zone to get the job, they're not a good fit. So straight away, you've eliminated 80% of the people there, which is great. (laughs) Right. So video submissions, uh, and then second, those now we watch the videos, and if if somebody's a, a hell yes, they're in. If they're like, yeah, maybe I would say nah, don't 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 audition them. Um, you know, and then uh, next thing is an audition, and I'd say that's a five to ten minute session that you get them to teach you in your normal class. You know, if you do reformers or mats or whatever you do, just get them to, you know, teach me a five-minute athletic mat work flow or teach me five minutes of contrology or teach me five minutes of 
you know, what you know, pre Pilates or whatever it might be, right? So whatever you teach the most of and that is going to be their main job, get them to do that, right? Uh, you know, I would even say, hey, read the description of the XYZ class on our website, you know, beginners or prenatal or whatever it is, right? Read the read the read the description of the open level reformer class on our website and teach a five minute open level reformer class. Right? Now get them to teach that class and then give them feedback and get them to go again for a couple of minutes. Right? So give them some feedback because this is a test. How do they take the feedback? Right? So get them to teach you a class even if it was perfect. Right? Even if it was perfect. Now, it won't be perfect. No one's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. They won't be perfect. But even if it was perfect, say, hey, look, could you do this thing a bit more like that? Right? Could you, you know, cue the foot bar up before you tell me the springs? Or could you stand where I can see you when you're cueing the hundred? Or could you speak louder and more slowly because I couldn't quite hear you over the clattering of the springs or whatever, right? Give them a specific piece of feedback and say, okay, can we run that back again with that feedback? Let's go, right? And see how they take it. Now, see how they take it in two ways. One, when you first say it, are they like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I can do that, right? Thanks for letting me know. Or are they like, oh, defensive? Oh, well, yeah, normally I don't do that. Oh, it was a mistake. Oh, you know, I was trying to do this, blah, 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 right? So they come up with excuses, or do they just go, oh, great, okay, thanks for letting me know. Yeah, I will talk louder. <laughs> and then secondly, how do they actually adjust? Do they do they talk louder, <laughs> right? So if you said talk louder, please, and then they're like, okay, great, and then they don't talk louder, okay, that's going to be a problem, <laughs> right? So if they don't talk louder, I'll be like, hey, I'm just going to stop you there. You're not talking louder. Could you please talk a lot louder? Okay, off you go, right? So this is your chance to find out that no, they in fact can't talk any louder than that. Or, you know, so this is your chance, right? This is where you, you strike them off the list if they're not a good fit. All right, so audition, five, 10 minutes max, give them some feedback, go again. Uh, and then if they pass that, right, you might have one or more people who pass that. I would then, and ideally you want to have two or three people that you love, right, to make a decision between, Okay. At that point, I would give one of those people a trial class, like some trial classes, like paid classes to your clients, right? So you've already done an audition with them. You know they can teach. You love the way they teach. Okay. Can you teach like Tuesday and Thursday, Open Level Reformer this week, right? And then you simply go to those clients at the end of the session, hey, could you please fill in this feedback form, right? And if you want to know what's on the feedback, listen to the previous episode, a couple of episodes back about how to obtain uh, testimonials from your clients and get your clients to tell you if you thought it was an, if they thought it was an awesome class. And of course you can do the class as well if you want. So that's what I would do. And then if, if that, if that person's great, then offer them the job. If they accept it, then you tell the other two people, I'm sorry, you didn't get the job, but we loved your work and I'll definitely keep you top of the list for you know, next time there's an opportunity. If they decline the job or if they're not well received by clients, well, you get the next person. You say, hey, would you like to do some trial classes on next week, right? So you don't tell the other ones no until the first person accepts. Uh, and then you you do your um, mentoring schedule, which is step seven. You do your weekly one-on-one -on -one for 30 minutes. You audit their classes. You ask what they want help with, how they want to grow. Um, you audit their class numbers together on a weekly basis. 
Uh, you solicit feedback from your clients regularly, like once per month, and that's per my episode on the testimonials. Uh, and you give, you share that feedback with the instructor, like the instructor, that's, that's their feedback, right? So, uh, and you don't like, don't sugarcoat it. If, you know, if the feedback from the client is, you know, I wish Mary would stop playing the music so loud or whatever, just say, Hey, here's the feedback, Mary. This is literally what the client wrote right? Don't sugarcoat it. Just give it to Mary. Give it to the instructor. They can take it because guess what? They love feedback. They want to get better, right? They want to be better. They want the clients to love them. They want happy clients. They want full classes. All right. That is, that is my seven-step plan for hiring, onboarding, and leading superstar instructors for your studio. Number one, write a mission statement. Number two, set KPIs for the role. Number three, create a position scorecard built around those KPIs with bonuses weighted based on the weighting of the KPIs. Number four, create a list of critical skills and qualities of your ideal instructor who will hit those KPIs, like what skills and attitudes and beliefs do I need to have in order to hit those KPIs. Separate them into uh, skills which are trainable, in other words, like nice-to-haves, because you can train them, and attitudes and beliefs which are not that trainable and so therefore are must-haves. Put those in the scorecard. Think about what that person uh, wants. Why do they want to work for you? How much do they need to earn, right? It doesn't need to be the, the sky's the limit, but it does need to be more than they could earn, you know, at six out of 10 other studios because otherwise, why would they work for you? Then add in training and mentoring, progression, opportunities for advancement and their schedule and potentially benefits like medical, Create a three-stage application process. So you do a little video saying, hey, here's the person we're looking for. Here's who we're not looking for. Here's why this is going to be awesome for you if you work here because you get this benefit and this benefit and this benefit, okay? And you get this pay and you get rewarded for performance and you get mentoring, you get all of this stuff, right? Ask them for a video submission, answering those three questions. Why do you want to work for us in particular? Give an example of when you have embodied one of these must-have qualities in the scorecard? And what do you think is the most important uh, thing to focus on in teaching whatever main type of session they will be responsible for teaching in the in the studio? Uh, people who pass that get an audition class, five to ten minutes max, give them feedback on something and get them to go again, see how they take the feedback, how they incorporate it. If you really like uh, one of them, give them some trial classes, paid classes where you pay them and they teach your clients and get the clients to give feedback. And if you like them, offer them the job. If they say yes, then tell the other candidates, no thanks. If they don't say yes or if the clients don't love them, get the next best candidate and offer them classes. We rinse and repeat. Uh, and then uh, set up a mentoring schedule, weekly one-on-ones for 30 minutes and that's got to be sacred time. You never, ever cancel that session. That is like, come rain, come hail, come sleet, you always hold that session. Uh, that's their time. You give them feedback. You ask what they want help with, how they want to grow. You audit their class numbers. You audit their client feedback. Uh, and uh, the the last thing I just actually realized I didn't put on my list is where do you advertise? And I'd say because you're looking for people uh, who have those values and beliefs and attitudes matched to yours, the number one place you should look is within your network. So within your current roster of clients, um, within your current roster of instructors that you know, any peers that you have that you respect who work at other studios, put that video out to all of those people and say, hey, is this you or do you know someone who dot, 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 
right? And here's the video. So start with your network. That is the best place in my experience to find people who are going to be a values match, who are going to like resonate with your mission. And you will not have to have uncomfortable conversations with them because they will just get it. So start with your network, start with your clients, start with your staff, start with your net, with your you know, fellow colleague instructors, you know, other studio owners. Um, you know, is this you or do you know anyone who? Uh, make that little video. Uh, I would say that is probably going to be enough, right? In my experience, for your first half dozen hires, that's enough. Uh, if you don't find the right person within that network, I would even then go and like scratch my head and go, okay, who could I actually personally tap on the shoulder? Like maybe there's a superstar client who's in the front row of your reformer class every week and you're like, okay, that person would be an amazing instructor if they only knew how to teach Pilates and just say, hey, look, would you like to become a Pilates instructor, <laughs> right? And there's a really good chance that person's going to go, yeah, I'd freaking love to. <laughs> and then you just say, okay, great. Well, if you go get certified, I'll give you a job. <laughs> Right. Obviously, you put them through the interview process and all of this stuff I've just talked about first, right? But then if they, you know, if you like them, if they like the role and you like them and you know, all of that, you just go, go, great. Well, why don't, you know, you go get certified and then I'll give you a job. Uh, and, you know, if all else fails, then I would put um, the ad up on like Pilates boards, you know, like, you know, the Pilates Facebook group for whatever city you live in, um, that type of thing. Um, and then last resort, I would put it on like indeed.com. Uh, but please, when you put it on indeed.com, if you do, don't put a, a freaking boring ass thing like, you know, XYZ Studio is looking for fully certified instructors in XYZ location. You know, just make it human and say like, we want someone who can fill our mat studio and who likes to get paid more than average for a more than average performance or whatever your values are right? What you know, Say like what you want. Don't just make your ad the same as everyone else's because then it's the same as everyone else's. Say what you want. Be human. Keep it real. All right, dear listener, I hope you find that helpful. Uh, much love and I will see you in the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. 
This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.